trade efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends. Here in episode 72, we're joined by Daniel Burroughs, founder and CEO of Truck Labs, where we talk about the complexities of managing the tractor-trailer gap, the importance of wind speed and direction, and the fuel savings that are possible when the gap is optimized. He also explains what average speed really means, shares lessons learned that can help other entrepreneurs that are bringing products to the real world of trucking, and reminds us that a dollar saved is better than a dollar earned. Today we have joining us Dan Burrows. Dan's a founder and CEO of Truck Labs. I'm really excited to have you on today, uh, Dan. There's lots that we can we can talk about. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Mike. Dan, do you remember how we first met um, or, or were introduced? Yeah, uh, it was a, through a mutual friend, Andrew Smith, who was at the time uh, running a company called ATD, making the trailer tails. And I was trying to do aerodynamics for, for class eight trucks. And he's, he goes, you got to meet this guy, Mike, uh, who runs the NACFI. And because he knows everybody, he knows what people have tried and he, he, he can guide you and hopefully see some of the some of the things you might run into head on and help you guide around them. So I um, I reached out and I remember uh, NACFI actually invigilated one of our first fuel tests back in 2017. Um, so it's been a it's been a long time that we've been uh, uh, you know, working together on this stuff. Yeah. So, uh, when would we have first talked? I remember it being a phone call, um, maybe for 2014 or 15, would that be about right? Yeah. I think I was trying to decide whether or not to even launch the company. I mean, I think that's when we really talked I, I, the company. I, I started the company in 2015. I was a graduate student at Stanford and I put my student loan into hiring some engineers to test out some of the prototypes and we can go into the product later. But, but while as part of that, I was doing due diligence on, was this a good idea? Was this not? And um, I think that's when we first spoke and you, you talked about how the gap had, the tractor trailer gap had been a problem for a while in aerodynamics. There'd been various attempts to solve it, but that it was, uh, you know, nobody yet found the right solution. I remember it pretty clearly because, um, you know, I advise you not to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I uh, I was walking along a river talking to you um, somewhere in Tennessee or Kentucky, and I remember I remember thinking, okay, um, uh, this Dan, he sounds real sincere. He sounds like wicked smart, and um, so much so that I remember thinking, yeah, that gap between the tractor and the trailer that is a problem for aerodynamics trucks, no doubt about it. But you know, I've done a lot of research, talked to a lot of people over the years, and and I I remember advising you, Dan. That's just a tough problem to solve. I mean, that's a tough uh, thing, and you know, it it you know, you got all the uh, dynamics of uh, two different parts of the system, right? You got the tractor, and you got the trailer. You got you got going up and down docks and and hills and turning, and and I'd seen a lot of things fail, um, primarily because of you know durability, reliability, and, and you know, it's 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 rare that I discourage an entrepreneur, but man. Um, I'm here to tell you, tell you again, and and the world at large. I was wrong. Congratulations on um, at least taking a good crack at solving that problem. So, um, yeah, yeah, I remember. It well, uh, Mike, if I'd listened to you, I probably would still have hair. I mean, it's been a, it, it, it's been it forewarned is forearmed, and I, I definitely, um, I think you helped us avoid some of the challenges. But we've had to learn a lot. I mean, it's as you say, it's a complicated space, um, and then. Tractors, you know, they want to last a million miles. They want to drive in minus 40 and 140 degrees. They want to, 
um, you know, have all sorts of different drivers with no additional training be driving the truck. So you gotta you gotta factor all that in into into the design to be as as bulletproof and foolproof as possible. And so um, that's why we made it automatic from the beginning. That's why we put in sensors and you know all that sort of stuff to to really make it a a set and leave device that didn't need a lot of driver intervention. I remember you talked a lot about our early products had the drivers doing more um, more involved in, in the product, and um, you, you helped us see that it you know what we needed to do would make it a fully automated solution. I remember that advice particularly. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, if I if I'd listened more, I might I might have gone and done something else the last. Uh, eight years but and, and kept some more hair on my head but um but for now i'm glad you didn't you know, i'm glad you did because this uh this device is saving fuel and and uh in in many cases you know in the right application and and uh, and surviving so so let's get into it so it's truck labs and truck wings um the first is the company the latter is the product i think i've got that right um but tell tell us tell us about it and a little bit about the you know evolution from uh the, you know that got you to where you, where you are now yeah, so it it start, so um yeah exactly right. Truck Labs is the company. We are a R and D you know engineering firm trying to solve customer problems, right? And then our first flagship product is the is the truck wings, and we have we have plans for other products, um, but the truck wings have um, taken off a little bit, um, <laughs> no pun intended, and so we're really right now we're doubling down on those. So we so um, yeah the, the 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 name Truck Labs indicates that we think of ourselves as scientists and engineers trying to solve problems and bring them to the real world. And then our first product that's really scaling out of it is, um, is, is truck wings. And now we've done 650 million miles on our units across the countries with five of the 10 top fleets in the, in the industry. Wow. Congratulations. So, um, so these devices deploy at speed uh, to close the aerodynamic gap to kind of prevent that air that's come around the tractor around the the uh, cab extenders of the tractor from um you know slamming into the trailer and creating drag um uh tell us more about i, I think i've got that right right and then tell us more about how, how they work and and what um uh what their uh the results are yeah it, it, it's exactly as you describe and and um you know oems the you know freight liners of all those of the world and you know they're trying to design the side fairings to under normal conditions, jump as much air across that tractor trailer gap as possible, right? So if you look at a semi, you need that gap in order to turn, um, but you don't need to turn when you're at highway speeds. So what we do is we say, okay, let's fold out these panels. It looks like, you know, you can see it on our website, um, but fold out these panels, sides and top uh, to create a smooth surface between that sort of continually connects the tractor and the trailer. And um, and then fold it away when you slow down, and that way you can actually end up with a bigger gap than before when you're going slowly. So you have all the turning and maneuverability you need at low speeds, but at high speeds, it, your truck looks more like a bullet train, and all that air flow is kept laminar and smooth, and it and it and it saves a bunch of fuel. We probably save five to six percent on you know CNG electric type setups. Um, you know four to five percent on on day cabs with pretty big gaps and two to three percent on our on our sleeper setup where the gaps are, are smaller and wow, that's um, a lot it's a lot of fuel and it pays for itself in typically 15 months yeah i think you brought up a, an interesting um value part of the value that um that i I've, I've missed sometimes but that is you can 
increase the gap in in low speed maneuverability. And as we're seeing more, and NACFI's written a lot about you know growth of regional haul and a lot more drop and hook and a lot more um, uh, you know multi stop deliveries where they're off the freeway and and uh, you know and and uh, you know doing deliveries. And sometimes you know in places that aren't well paved that you know they got hills and so that. Uh, that that's always been a battle for fleets. How do I get my tractor trailer gap down to save fuel when I'm on the freeway, but but still be you know still not damage things? And you know these these tractors and trailers are expensive if they get damaged. So opening up the gap, you can actually increase the gap during low speed maneuverability. That's that's cool. Exactly, and you know it, it's funny. Often people say, "Oh, you know, I'm doing a a short regional run," but we we were lucky enough to participate in uh, your regional um, run on less and. Um, and one of the UPS trucks there had truck wings on it. And we saw um, that even, even if you're doing a relatively short run, you know, maybe 50 miles or so back and forth, you, you think, oh, you know, I'm not going, you know, state to state. I may not be going, you know, thousands of miles in one direction. The truck wings are automatic. So the driver pulls out, they open up, they do the 50 miles, they shut that they're getting the, the vast majority of that time, the truck is actually at 65 or 70 miles an hour. And so you you, you get the return even on these short runs. Um, now, if you're doing direct store delivery in a town and really doing stops, that won't, you know, we won't help a lot while you're in town, but then when you're running backwards and forwards between depots, um, you know, we can help. And, and so it's funny, it's often we're deployed, you know, 85% of the time often on these fleets, even where you, you wouldn't think Maybe that they're doing so much uh, over the road running. Um, trucks, you know, typically are spending time on the freeway and typically are above fifty miles an hour. Yeah, it's kind of the uh, averages problem, right? Where you know, if you got a foot in boiling water and a foot in ice water, you're on average you feel just fine. Um, <laughs> you know, we we see that uh, here where you know people say, well, my average mile per hour is maybe forty or forty two or 45. Um, so these aerodynamics, you know, they don't even, you know, companies like that oftentimes don't even buy aerodynamics, let alone think about the tractor trailer gap. But what, what you're doing here is um, basically creating a deployable, you, you make the truck different at different speeds, somewhat like what we've seen with engine parameter setting and, and some things that, um, you know, tell whether the truck's going uphill or downhill, you're recognizing when the truck's in the city at low speed versus on the freeway at high speed and actually changing the configuration of the truck and, and trailer combination. And um, uh, that, that, that's um, very interesting. And, and it, it's so funny. You brought the average speed is one of the biggest myths I wanted to bust in the industry is, you know, I talked to a fleet and they, on their standard reports, they have fleet average speed. And often the fleet average speed is that you say 40 miles an hour or something. And they're like, okay, well, if we're averaging 40 and the truck wings deploy at 50, that means, more than half the time I'm not going to be using them and it's this it's this um, dumbbell problem like barbell problem where you've got lots of high speed and lots of low speed and so if your average speed is 40 we found that we can be deployed for um, up to 90 percent of the miles um, of, of the fuel consuming miles right which is the miles where you're on the highway and so it's uh you know it's 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 very funny it's like that average speed is really not a good indicator. You have to double click on that number and look at the, the histogram of how much you're spending in each speed bucket, zero to five, five to 10, 10 to 15. And, you know, modern fleet telematics, you can pull that out of any of these systems. Um, and so that's often our first conversation with a fleet is like, let's actually look at your, 
let's actually look at you know your histogram of how of how often you're spending at different speeds and often that's a big surprise to to fleet operators yeah and i got to share that you know um one of the reasons i was uh you know trying to help help make sure you really wanted to tackle this problem in our first phone call was that um you know i was concerned about how much fuel can be saved and you know oftentimes um when uh developers and you know product development folks in this space look at something on the computer um and even in some early bench testing and then they move on to the real world you know we lose we lose the the some of the efficiency so there's kind of a you know a rule of thumb in the marketplace that you know cut in half what aerodynamics companies tell you because they're um they're calculating it based on maybe a single truck or experience in a lab etc but you know, I think what we find here in this tractor trailer gap is you do get it. And we've hypothesized around NACFI a little bit and even with some other aerodynamics people. And I, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you, but we just think that, uh, you know, crosswinds in the real world are underestimated. Um, you know, it seems so obvious, right, that that the wind is going northeast, south and west all the time, maybe a little bit west to east in North America. But um, but, uh, you know, the trucks travel all kinds of distances or directions as well. So I, I, we think we've been kind of underestimating, um, you know, wind speed and direction with respect to how valuable a solution is for that tractor to trailer gap. Um, how, how would you respond to that logic? You think that makes sense? Yeah, I, I do. And I think so there's two things I'd say to that. One is um, OEMs have to deal with a static fairing, right? They can't change that fairing. And so um, so what they do is they tune it for average conditions. And that means an average speed of the truck, an average crosswind, um, an average tractor trailer gap. And what we find out in the real world when we go to, to these fleets is that their fifth wheels are all, all over the place. So their gaps are different sizes. The trucks run between you know, 50 and 75, 80 miles an hour. And the crosswinds go between you know, zero and 65 miles an hour, um, often up to you know, 10 degree angled crosswinds. And so one of the things that I like to say to our customers is that we increase the resiliency of the truck to all these different conditions, because in all those conditions, the optimal aerodynamic solution is a bullet train, right? Where you've got the truck wings, we, we, we go within three inches of your trailer. So we really keep a, a complete tight um, gap between the tractor and the trailer and all the air gets flowed over. And hey, you're, that doing means, that the, you're doing that on the sides and the, and the roof, right? Sides and roof, yeah, and so and and so that increase in resiliency leads to real world results, and that's the second thing I want to say is that what we do is we partner with a fleet. We just announced results on partnership with Ryder, where we took um, sixty trucks, we ran them for six weeks in their normal operations. We then randomly installed truck wings on thirty of them, so thirty of the sixty got the treatment of the truck wings, and then we ran them for another six weeks. And Ryder used their own data, their own telematics, and the treated trucks, the trucks with the truck wings, showed a 4.2% fuel economy increase. And so these are not, you know, we've done the CFD, we've uh, the computer simulations, the test tracks and other things, but when we can actually deliver that result on to a customer's, you know, in their telematics, you know, using their fuel receipts, that's where I think you know we convince um, convince these big fleets to go forward, and you'll see, you know, we're we're increasing three to four x a year right now in in, in volumes um, as as you know more fleets test it for themselves and get comfortable with the new technology. 
Yeah, keep right on proving me wrong there, Daniel. Um, uh, hey, so I always like to ask for for you know guests that kind of have been through this. I don't know what you call it in uh, you know startup um, language, but um, uh, you know you, you're you're well through the you know you're selling products, you've got some scale, you've had some you you have customers. Um, you know what are you got a few um, stories or a few. Um, lessons that you learned or problems you solved that might help the, the next round of entrepreneurs bringing products um, to the real world of trucking. And, and I'll just, I, I, I'll remind you of one. I mean, I think when, in those early days, we, we asked you and the team, you know, are you ready for the, for the truck wings to be on trucks uh, being towed backwards? And I, uh, I think. Oh my goodness, Mike, you did. I'd forgotten that. Yes. Oh, that was a disaster. Oh my goodness. Yes. So this is this is what I mean about how, you know, it's great to reach out to, you know, people who know trucking backwards if you're going into new field. I mean, I was new in trucking in 2015. So we were doing a big test and um, and, uh, you know, you guys were out there and, and mentioned this to me. And at that point, we didn't have that designed in. We, we hadn't thought of 65 mile an hour winds hitting the back of the truck. Right. Um, you know, if, if, if you're being towed backwards, the amount of pressure on the wings, you know, uh, would actually have sort of, um, they weren't being held shut at that point. So they would have, you know, opened and, you know, flapped around and caused all sorts of mayhem. Um, and I just, I just we, we just hadn't heard of that mode of how the trucks could be. So, so yeah, we had to go back to the drawing board and make sure that was engineered and tested and, and that, um, and now of course we get towed backwards all the time and it's fine, but um, you know, that knowledge that you had, you know, saved us from a, from a unfortunate learning on the road. Um, and now, yeah. you know, now we've got 600 million miles, but we, we doing them safely requires thinking of all the, all the edge cases because trucks, trucks go through every type of different condition you can imagine. And so you've got to, we do shaker plate tests, we do accelerated life cycle testing. We do all this sort of OEM level testing now, but, um, but, you know, when, I, when, when we were three guys in the garage, we didn't have the resources to do that. I hadn't raised any money at that point. I was um, paying for stuff out of my student loan, and so any I, other, yeah. yeah, any other similar, any other similar stories um, like that that you can um, uh, help help the audience think through. Yeah. Um, so another one that I remember. This was 2019. So we had about uh, we had several hundred truck wings out there. So we were getting good data, and every one of them is connected. Um, and sending data home, so we knew how they were they were performing well. And then we got a customer call saying, "Hey, you know, I, I, uh, our, uh, our wings got busted. You know, they we we slowed the driver slowed and turned, and they were still open." And I was like, "That's impossible. You know, they they always shut." And I was like, "Okay, we were sort of couldn't figure it out." Call next, the following week, same customer. Hey, another one of our trucks, the wings got busted. Could we slow down and turn, and the wings were deployed? And uh, you know, code red, right? So we we closed all the wings on the the trucks remotely, and we were went tried to recreate this error, and we absolutely couldn't. And um, we actually then we actually went out to where that problem had occurred, and tried to recreate it there, and we could recreate it. And the 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 challenge was is if the data link was uploading. And at that particular moment, you drove out a cell phone service. So it's like it, it's like you're in a phone call and you drive out a cell phone service. Our telematics kept trying to connect. It was like, yeah, I'm halfway through a conversation. Don't hang up on me. 
And during that time, it was in a kind of a semi-frozen state and it wasn't doing the check of the, of the speeds and the safety systems. So it was in this kind of reconnecting state. And, if, and it was in that state for about 30 seconds. And if in those 30 seconds you pulled off an on-ramp and turned, um, you know, it wouldn't be, have been looking for speed. So we, we, we solved the problem. We, we now always check for speed. We've got a separate process for doing the data upload and we make sure that, you know, nothing in the data upload can affect yeah. the, the speed. But, you know, these are the sort of edge cases that when you start to do a million miles a week, 4 million miles a week, 10 million miles a week, you start, start discovering. And, um, and I'd say that it's, that's the sort of thing where I think we could have spent 10 years in the lab trying to design a system that would, that would, that would be bulletproof, but we might not have come across that edge case until we were actually, um, you know, yeah, it's very interesting. It's that it's early, early production uh, field experience that, um, you know, you're just not going to find stuff without getting out in the real world. And then you've got to be careful that you don't like if you got a really hot, popular product, you got to be careful. You don't push too many out there with like those issues or you're yep. or you understand the whole FMEA logic around. Can you is it something you can correct and fix easily or not, et cetera, et cetera. So, well, and luckily this was a software update. So we repaired the two truck wings for free. And then we, um, we didn't over the air update and, 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 fi and did a software push and fixed it as a recall. So, you know, that, that was, but it, but it was, I think, I think you've got to be, um, you've got to say, look, safety is so important, right? So you've got to make sure that you're doing everything safe. And, and that's where we designed, like we'd actually, we'd actually, um, tested the wings to failure where we'd kept them deployed and turned a truck wing on a ton, turned a truck on purpose in, in controlled conditions to show, Hey, you know, if that did happen, the wings would crumple, but it wouldn't damage the trailer. It wouldn't damage the back of the cab. And we can, and, you know, and, and so we, we, we'd done some testing around it to make sure that it was still safe. Um, but it was, um, but yeah, it, it's, 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 you got, you learn stuff from the road and there's no other way sometimes to do it. And that's where you've got to, you've got to have a really tight feedback loop between you and the customers. And that's why I think under your advice also, we had each one of our devices connected from day one. So we could actually see in the data what was going on and, and catch these things early. So Daniel, we always run out of time really quickly. I'd, I'd like to close. I mean, we didn't really get into your background much, but um, if I recall early in your career and, and your, your time at Stanford, you did some real deep um, sustainability analysis, you know, 10, 15 years ago before, you know, it was kind of a thing. Um, and so maybe as we close out, um, tell us a little about that experience and, and what what got you to to then make the application of that experience uh, be in trucking. What, what about trucking was interesting and what do you see going forward? Yeah, well, I've always loved trucks. Um, I'd never thought I'd work in trucking, though. Um, but I've always been fascinated by them. And I remember, um, you know, going back to the, you know, I, as I, I studied physics in my master's in, in London, and I was running these big climate models. And I don't know what they were showing back then. This was the early 2000s. I mean, it was certainly a lot of scenarios looked really bad for the carbon levels and what we could potentially do with sea levels and things. But it also had huge uncertainties in these models. And they're very tough. They're very, very difficult dynamic systems. But basically, I'd ran enough different scenarios to say, I'm not sure what we're doing, but I'm pretty sure this is a big experiment where we don't know the answer and that we we're going to all live in that test tube. We're going to live in that experiment. And we've only got one planet. So I was like, OK. I'm convinced that I want to, I don't want to work on, you know, 
um, government policy on this stuff. I want to help fleets improve their bottom line, save money, you know, and, and, and that's the way to get to scale. But at the same time, if you can save carbon, I'll sleep well at night knowing that I'm doing that as well. So it was like, it was a kind of a twofer for me. I wanted to do well by doing good. I wanted to, you know, help fleets improve, you know, the cost per mile and, and every, every dollar you spend on save on fuel doesn't get taxed, right? It's, it's, it goes straight into your pocket. It drops straight to the bottom line. It's, it's a dollar saved is better than a dollar earned, right? Because yeah. a dollar saved doesn't get taxed. So, you know, I was like, let's save dollars and, and let's at the same time, let's, let's um, save fuel. And that's where I, you know, I started, you know, we spend $130 billion a year on diesel um, in the US alone. And I was like, okay, that's a big market. And uh, that those trucks don't look as aerodynamic as they could be. And how could I use my physics and my interest in in business and, and build something that does the two of those things? Well, thanks for being on. Uh, we really appreciate what you're doing. And, you know, Daniel, I'm glad you listened to me on some things and didn't listen to me on a few more. <laughs> I reserve the right to listen and then, and then, and then make my own mistakes. <laughs> Very good. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Freight Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Rose and Friends. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to support NACFI's work, please visit nacfi.org support and click on the donate button. Thank you in advance.